Dear Heavenly Father, we do offer you and just give to you our praise. You have been faithful. Father, help us to show the world the blessings that come from living in you. Help us to show the world Jesus Christ by the way that we live, talk, and love one another. It's in Jesus that I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Shalom. Shalom is a greeting. It's, it's, a, it's a word that is used in Israel to this day. And as you'll discover later on, it means almost everything. Uh, they say hello. They say goodbye. They say blessings. They say good health. Shalom. Most of us know that shalom means peace. At least that's what we've been taught, that shalom means peace. And when we think of peace, we tend to think of an absence of conflict that takes place. And uh, when two countries are no longer battling one another, we call that peace. But shalom means so much more than just peace. It means, when you look at the, the definitions of shalom, it means peace, it means harmony, it means wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, tranquility. And as I've already mentioned, it is used to say hello, goodbye. It's used as a greeting for the holy days, Shabbat Shalom, and other terms that are used this morning. We're going to be looking at this idea and this word of Shalom. But I really want us to concentrate on and think of that idea of harmony. Harmony. In the longest recorded prayer of Jesus... In John 17, Jesus begins that prayer by praying for himself in the garden, and then he prays for the, for the apostles that are still with him. And then he begins to pray for us. In John 17, starting in verse 20, it says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. I pray that they all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When we look at John 17, typically we focus in on this phrase that all of them may be one. May they be brought to complete unity. And we have, you've heard sermons, and I've preached sermons on those passages and on those phrases inside of John 17. But this morning I want us to also look at the reason for the unity. And it says that the world may believe, that the world may know, that the world may know. Shalom. You've, how many times have you heard me say it matters how you live? And I'm going to let you know it not only matters how you live, it matters what you believe, it matters how you love. And it matters how we talk to each other. We use that word unity. And we talk about 
unity. And, and, and this idea of unity, at times we have thought that it means that we all are in lockstep and every one of us has the same opinions, has the same word, uses the same phrases, and has the same preferences. I want you to know that unity does not mean, in this passage in John 17, unity does not mean that we all think alike. My wife and I don't think alike. We've been married 40 years this December, and she still hasn't figured out how to think like me. And I definitely haven't figured out how to think like her. Unity doesn't mean that we all think alike. It doesn't even mean that we all have the same preferences. But it does, however, mean that there are some things that bond us and hold us together. We have same core beliefs. When Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul lays out some of these core beliefs, these things that unite us when he says, What I receive, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Paul is giving the the very foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ here. This, This one thing that unites us is Christ. This understanding of, 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 of the price that he paid for us, And that he came to this earth, that he died for our sins, that he was raised. That is this one thing that unites us. There may be all kinds of other preferences inside of here. Some of you may root for University of Texas, others for Texas A&M. But there's something that even with that diverse group still unites them inside of this room, and it is Jesus Christ. There's some other things that Paul writes when he's writing to the church in Ephesus. That unites us when he says, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. We've said that phrase over and over again, haven't we? And I'll just be honest, I just flat stole it straight from Paul. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And he says, this is how you do it. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. There's that word again. Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How do we do that, Paul? There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. And he says, there are some things that unite us. And here are these seven ones, these seven foundational principles That absolutely unite us. First, we've got Jesus Christ, and now we have these seven ones that unite us. As children of God, we have some core beliefs that no matter how diverse we are inside of this room, there are some things that unite us in Christ and unite us in purpose. We're not all alike. We're not all alike. And I'm glad that we're not all alike. We each have different gifts and we have different preferences. There are some inside of this room that that have the gift of artistic abilities. 
And I am so grateful. There's some who are able to decorate things. And I'm not one of those people. So I'm glad when they show up and the Family Life Center looks beautiful because somebody with that gift came and did something and just made it look nice. I'm glad that some people have the gift of banana pudding. And I love coming to the fellowships and experiencing and tasting their gifts. We all have different gifts and we all have different preferences. When Paul is trying to describe the body of Christ and he's talking about it to the church at Corinth, he uses the example of the body. And he says the body is a unit and though it's made up of many parts and though all of its parts are many, they form one body and so it is with Christ. In a passage that we've already looked at this morning, it says Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. And so what unites us as a church and what unites us as Christians inside of this room is the headship of Jesus Christ. So let's get back to Shalom. Shalom. Peace and harmony with a purpose. And the purpose is that the world may believe and that the world may know. Harmony. It matters how you live. And all everything I have said up to this point is just introduction because the purpose of this lesson this morning is this. It matters how we talk to each other. It matters how we talk to each other. I chose this week to give this lesson because really this week, more than any other week this year, kicks off the political season. It does. There'll be a debate sometime this week. I haven't kept up with the news enough to be sure what day, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I'm not sure. But in our country, we are a divided people, aren't we? And I'll talk about that again later. But inside of the body of Christ, I want you to know the world is watching us. The community is watching us. Your family is watching us. And it matters how we talk to each other. It matters how we talk to each other. We have different gifts. We have different preferences. And we each have different concerns. Using Paul's example of the body, I got to thinking, you know something? My foot has different concerns than my hands. My hand doesn't give 10 cents what kind of sole is on the shoe that I'm wearing. But my foot, that matters to my foot. If we're going to be walking on a rocky path, it wants a good firm sole. It doesn't want a house slipper, something that can get hurt. But my foot doesn't care whether or not my hand has a glove or not, but my hand does. Yesterday, I was rolling up some, some garden hose in the middle of the day, and I had to go get my gloves because the garden hose had gotten so hot. My foot didn't care one bit about that, but my hand did. It had choices, it had preferences according to where it was in the body. My eye doesn't care how loud the singing is, but my ear does. And my eyes are more concerned with how bright the light is. And my ear doesn't even know that there is light. But there's one part that cares for every part of the body with equal concern. 
And when we follow the direction of the head, when we begin to show the concern of the head, God is glorified. Because all of a sudden you have a body whose foot cares about whether or not the hand is being burned or not. It cares about every part of the body. And when you have, whenever the whole body begins to follow the direction of the head, I want you to know something. The world notices. We have been taught to only care for yourself and only care for the things that you have preferences in and the areas that matter to you And anybody who doesn't care your concerns or your direction, those people just aren't honest thinkers or they're just crazy. And we hear those kind of comments from the world all the time. I want you to know whenever we begin to show the world that we are different and we care for those who are different from us, and who may even be enemies or on the opposite side of the fence from us, the world takes notice. And God's glorified. I'm always reminded of a great man of faith, Jim Long, who was a district judge. And one day I'm standing up to preach, and Jim is sitting right next to a man that he had sent to prison And he had just gotten out after 10 years. And the two of them were sitting side by side, singing the same song, praising God. And I thought, where else in the world would you see that except in the body of Christ? Where else would you see that? And doesn't that define who we are to be? Because what unites us is so much greater than what divides us. We live in a broken and divided world, don't we? If you don't believe that, just turn on and watch the news, listen to the commentaries, or just go to the coffee shop and just listen to people talk. We live in a divided world. And in a political, let me go backwards, In a political season, in a political world, we are often defined by the R or the D or the I or the G that follows our name. And if they're not in my camp, they're the enemy. And I want you to know something. As children of God, you need to get rid of those labels. You need to get rid of the labels that you're laying on top of somebody else and you just need to put the label J. Because if you are in Jesus Christ, you are my brother, you are my brother or my sister. And what unites us is so much greater than what divides us. I almost wish that we would go back to the 1900s date when it came to the church and politics because in the early late 1800s and early 1900s most Christians did not vote in fact on that Tuesday in November 
most churches were open for prayer meetings. And instead of going and voting, they would pray. Because they believed what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13, that God was the one who appointed the leaders. And they spent the day in prayer. Instead of dividing and arguing with one another, they would pray for a nation and for a people and for a world. You see, we're not defined by a political party. We should be defined by a risen Savior. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what should be defining us. We are defined by that one body and that one spirit. Let's go back and and look. I want us to look again at that passage in Ephesians that I, I read to you in our introduction where Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And then he says, what? Be completely humble. Now he's talking about the body, about how the body is to interact with one another and what we are to stand for. He says, be completely humble and gentle and be patient. Bear with one another. That doesn't mean be a bear to one another. It means be patient with each other. Bear with one another. Because there are some things that are greater than your preferences and your differences. Did you know that you can be a Christian in a communist nation? Did you know you can be a Christian in a republic, in a democratic republic, You can even be a Christian in a dictatorship. And God can be glorified in all of those through you. If you will reflect the image of Christ instead of the image of the world that is presented to us. When Christ was walking on this earth, he lived in a time of one of the most wicked and one of the cruelest and harshest governments who had, who had reigned up to that point, the Roman Empire. And they were an occupying force in Israel. And when it came time for Jesus to pay his taxes, what did he do? He obeyed the law and he paid taxes. He paid his taxes. He not only paid taxes to Rome, but he also paid temple taxes. And God was glorified. As children of God, we need to show a spirit to this world that absolutely confuses them and reflects the heart and image of Jesus Christ. He says there's one body. And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Tell me inside of the list of the seven ones, where is there room for your preference? Or is it that there is always room for your yielding yourself as a living sacrifice so that God can be glorified? 
Shalom. Peace and harmony. Now, with that being said, harmony. That's, I told you that's the word that I want us to think about. Harmony. When each of us follows our own desire, without a love and consideration of Christ, there's not a lot of harmony, is there? In fact, there tends to be a lot of confusion. Harmony, we get, we've been singing this morning. Harmony, not everybody was singing the same notes. But we were following the same leader, weren't we? And because we were following the same leader, I can tell you that there was a sound that just lifted my spirit. But whenever we're not following the leader and we're doing our own thing, it tends to sound a little Turn bit like this. That would drive you nuts after a while, wouldn't it? When you've got two groups that are singing at their own pace, their own time, they're not following the same thing, there's no harmony. But when we follow the same leadership and teaching of Jesus Christ, all together, even though we may be singing different parts, we have different gifts, we're using our gifts for the glory of God, but we are following the direction of the head, there is glory for God. And when the world sees us and when they hear us and they see our fellowship, Turn it's a blessing. Your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. He says shalom because he would have been speaking Hebrew to his disciples. And he says, shalom I leave with you. My shalom I give you. What if Jesus meant what he says here? What if he really does give us peace and harmony and he gives it to us for a reason? That the world may believe and that the world may know. That would mean that you and I and the way that we interact with each other is of utmost importance. Because we are God's billboard to the world that says what you have been searching for, you can find only in me. When you're willing to yield yourself, humble yourself, and follow the direction of Christ, God is glorified. God is glorified. And with a diverse group of people, they hear something and see something that they can't see anywhere else. Shalom.
peace, harmony. I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you over the next year. Guard your tongue. Guard your tongue. Practice harmony. Practice peace, humility, forgiveness, bearing with one another in love. And I want you to do it for a purpose, so that the world can see Christ in you, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you'd like for us to pray with you this morning, I invite you to come as we stand and as we sing. Here 